Hello and welcome to Deplorable, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet for the deepest lore. I'm Michael Bastine. And I'm Billy Staples. And this week's episode is on Romanian mythology or legends. Honestly, I started doing research and it it did take a few deviations from Romanian mythology to Romanian folklore and also a little bit of history because there's just a lot of interesting stuff that comes from that area. Billy, why don't you give... Let's see what you can do about giving our audience a rundown on the topic, like a brief overview. Good luck. (laughs) This is not nearly as easy to summarize as, you know, vampires. I don't I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> so Romania is a country. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wait, quick Google. <laughs> is Romania? What is Romania? A oh, good news, Romania is a country. Ha ha ha. Hey, in my defense, I'm real real ge- geographically challenged. Greenland is the one covered in ice, right? From what I'm told, that's what I'm I'm understanding it to be. According to the internet, Romania is a southeastern European country m- known for the forested region of Transylvania. And I mean, then there's mythology. Well, he- here's here's a way we might summarize it, Billy. What what was your like? What was the general scope of what you ended up finding in research? Were you looking at like gods or mythological creatures or or just folk tales and legends? It was a mix of mythological creatures and folktales. Okay, okay. I couldn't really find anything on the on gods per se. Mm-hmm. But I did find some very interesting folklore. I, I you know, I kind of ended I didn't find a ton on like gods either in the sense of, of the Norse mythology or the Greek mythology or even like the Egyptian mythology. Um that may be due to there's a lot of historical things I think that go into what we find from a country uh from a country's history from a country's lore more specifically and I think I think honestly I think Romania's mix of religious roots is what is what leads it to not having a sort of dedicated pantheon because the old old Greek old Greek mythology there was there was a there's a very a very standardized or sort of dedicated religious practice in the sense that they had a pan- a specific pantheon that was worshipped and that worship took on various forms if you for example like if you now admittedly the united states is a very very young country but if you um look back in the mythos of the united states you you don't find there are no there is no pantheon of gods to look at. There is no creation stories. There are a few, but they they tend to lean towards the realm of folklore, and I think a large part of that is because it was settled by earlier Christians. And so you have that kind of specific sort of religious origin. Now, that all changes once you look at the Native Americans, because, you know, A, they've been here a lot longer. And B, they they develop their own sort of religious system independently of Christianity or Judaism or any of these kinds of things. Yeah. Who who wants to who do you who wants to start really? You wanna do you have something you'd like to open with or? Yeah, I'll start us off. You don't have to. I've got stuff too. I'm hesitant to say this one because it's there is tales about the. Teleki Mansion, which was said to be haunted by several soldiers from World War II who were trying to okay. enjoy wine in the cellar. 
Huh. They were passing by. They saw the mansion and was like, oh, that's old, run down. Nobody seems to be living there. I mm-hmm. wonder if they have wine in the cellar. As you do. They drank too much, and as one does when they are intoxicated, they began indiscriminately shooting their rifles. Uh-oh. This never ends well. Which may have clipped a few of the wine barrels and filled the room with wine. Oh! Okay, I thought there was this was going to be an explosion situation, and I, I know wine does not have the alcohol content to really ignite as hardcore as some of the really strong stuff, and also that's it's almost impossible for a gunshot to actually ignite yeah. even a petroleum substance like gasoline. So it filled the, the cellar with wine. It filled the cellar with, round, with wine, and eventually the two men drowned. Man, Romania loves their, their ghosts and their drownings. Ever since that happened, there has been heard of miscontent ghosts making a ruckus in the mansion. Ghost stories are something else. When I was reading this, the the article that I was reading on near the end of the paragraph just said, out of all the ways to die in war, that's got to be probably one of the better ones. It is definitely, it's, I don't know, drowning in wine... Hopefully by the point, by the time that you're actually drowning, you are so intoxicated that you're like, you're so out of it that (laughs) you don't care. But that like drowning is usually a fairly slow and laborious process. The other reason why I made note of this and wrote it down, drowning via wine seems like a, the type of unfortunate curse that Zeus would bestow upon someone. Oh, shoot, you're absolutely right. And it's not Zeus, it is Dionysus that would have done that one. A guy steals some, still steals someone wine, and he just goes, You like stealing wine? Now you're stuck in it. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh, so you're going to steal some wine. Oh, okay, I see where you guys are coming from. Hey, enjoy, by all means. Have as much as you want. Have as much as you want. Drops him into a room filled with, filled with wine. Mm-hmm. You know, I you you bring up you bring up drowning, and that kind of brings me to one of the. It was basically the sub the subject uh, heading that made me realize we had to do Romanian mythology, or Romanian legends, which is the lake which needs human sacrifices. Oh, I I did see that. Yeah, I. What what gets me. So, okay, so just to clarify, there is an area in Romania where I guess, and I'm not sure if it's public perception or if it's actual statistical fact, but there seems to be an an above average number of lake drownings to the point that there is a, there's there's a superstition now that has developed that dictates that the lakes in this area are hungry and they require human sacrifice. Oh, yeah, one one story that that was noted was one where um a a slope collapsed and caused floodwaters to take out several homes and a church. Purportedly, like the church bell was ringing like mad trying to get people to come help, but other people just thought it was um the church signaling church was about to start. So, you know, no one came and yeah. helped and then basically several houses and the church drowned. There's There are other stories of uh, other lakes in kind of that area that drown even like purportedly even the most skilled swimmers. Now, it is a colder area. The climate is not great for swimming. That being said, I'm sure if you live in Romania, you're, you're good. Like you're used to this kind of thing. Something tells me that in Romania, swimming in like 30 degree water is, you know, 
they probably can just handle it. But even then, I wonder what makes it such a... It is so disproportionately widespread that there is a literal superstition about the lakes of this area being hungry and needing to eat people, which seems wild to me. Yeah, that is a little a little wild. Uh, before we get any further, there are going to be moments where we're going to talk about like Romanian names and... As always, we are not, <laughs> we, we speak English and that's it. And so we will try our darndest to pronounce this stuff, but it's going to be bad. It's not going to be great. You got, uh, what else do you got, Billy? Kind of bringing things to a lighter note from drowning. Oh, good. Yes. The, so the Sigahasora Church, uh, Citadel. I, okay. I think I pronounced that correctly. Uh, it has the most imp- impressive clock tower in Transylvania, but the most precious object is its golden globe. Forged by a giant from a far, far land. Wait. The legend says that the ogre himself placed the globe on top of the tower while saying, Who's bigger than I can take the globe, and then it's his. Apparently, no other brave giant has been found. How did it... Hmm. (laughs) How did it get there? (laughs) And I mean no disrespect when I ask this, but I am not one who is particularly given to believe the idea of giants running around doing things like this. Who, bu- who built this thing? Are there no records anymore? The, maybe. Or is it just, or I guess, I guess maybe it's just ones that they chose to ignore in favor of the folktale. Sometimes the folktale is just better. <laughs> it, it, it makes me wonder about the nature of folktales at, at their core and how, um, how they get started. I wonder, I wonder if maybe, maybe this golden globe, maybe this clock tower was created by, by a foreigner, someone who is not native to Romania, who comes from some people group that just is very large by nature. Yeah, I could see that. And it sort of through time and passing the story on by word of mouth, perhaps it spiraled into this, into this legend. Maybe. I got another one for builders. Oh, so the Black Church in Brasov, have, did you find this one? I did not. There is a statue of a falling boy hanging from one of the pillars. What's curious about this is nobody remembers how it got there. Hmm. Nobody remembers why it was put there. There are a couple of running stories, running theories, running folk tales. One being that this boy, this statue was placed in memory of a boy who was apprenticed to a master builder. And this child was, or child... This boy, this young person, was so talented and skilled that the master, in a fit of jealousy, pushed the boy off the structure that they were building, which was this church, and killed him. So the, the statue was erected in honor of this kid, of this, this boy. Another version of the tale tells it that this boy was sent up to the top of a wall by the builders who were working on it to check and see, make sure it was level. It was going up straight. Yeah. And while on this wall, it was it was too precarious and the boy slipped and fell and died from that. And um, and so, again, the statue was was put up in honor of this boy. But nobody knows why there's the, this statue of this falling boy, like clinging to the side of the pillar at, at this church structure. And it all kind of winds back to that. How did these folktales happen? Like how? I don't know. I wanted to talk a little bit about Vlad Tepes. Because I don't think you can talk about Romania and Transylvania without talking about Big Bad Vlad. 
most of us know the story, but for those who don't, Vlad Tepes or Vlad the Impaler, who was also known as Vlad Dracul and his son Vlad Dracula, whom you may recognize as the inspiration for a certain vampire legend, was a very, very dangerous and absolutely crazy guy, most famous for his habit of killing his enemies by impaling them on very tall spikes and letting gravity just kind of... Yeah, make that end. What I the reason I wanted to bring Vlad up though is because I found out something. We have some written records from Vlad, including like letters he sent. I I learned of this story of basically the Ottomans were invading Vlad's like home area, so he teamed up with one King Matthias Corvinus to deal with this threat. One letter that Vlad sent to King Matthias purportedly read, I have killed peasants, men and women, old and young, who lived at, and this is going to be a a name I, I can't pronounce, who lived at Ablusitsa and Novosello, where the Danob flows into the sea. We killed 23,884 Turks without counting those whom we had burned in homes or the Turks whose heads were cut by our soldiers. Thus, your highness, you must know that I have broken the peace. Oh. Now, Vlad may have been exaggerating those numbers a little bit, but that's an oddly specific number. Yeah. And Vlad was just crazy enough that I wouldn't put it past him to count every single person that he killed. He orders his men to keep track. Yeah. What gets me, what really gets me about this is that King Matthias, the absolute mad lad, got it in his head that he was going to betray Vlad. Why? (laughs) I... The exact reason why he decided to do this is not super well, like, I I couldn't quite piece it together exactly, but it sounds like they were kind of losing the fight against the Ottomans. And King Matthias wanted to end the conflict, but he knew there was no way Vlad was going to stop, because it was Vlad's home. Yeah. And it was Vlad Tepes, like... Dude wasn't going to (laughs) stop. This guy put 23,000 people's heads on sticks. Like, this guy, he he doesn't stop fighting until he wins. And so, through a series of events, Vlad was convinced to go to, like, head towards his home uh, to meet up with King Matthias. And on the way, I'm, I'm unsure exactly how, but in some way, King Matthias betrayed Vlad and had him thrown in prison, where he stayed for a few years. Upon getting out of prison... Because I guess he was just done with the idea of teaming up with people. And he's like, if you want something done right, you're going to do it yourself. And through some unknown means, goes into his homeland and retakes it from the Ottomans. Oh. Without King Matthias's help. Again, terrible guy. But what what a champion. <laughs> You get, you're losing while allied with a neighboring king. And then after being betrayed by that king and thrown in prison for a few years, you bust out, like you're released from prison and, nah, I'm getting my home back. Good heavens. He, uh, 
He channeled all of the all of the anger. There is a reason why there are legends about this guy. Like there are reasons yeah. that there are myths about this man. He was larger than life. Ugh. How do we <laughs> Isn't it funny how hard it is to top real life sometimes? It is, honestly. My uh my ace up my sleeve today is from real life. Oh. I'm gonna be honest. I don't really have a uh I've got some good stuff that is directly from Romanian mythology, but the best thing that I have today is something that is, um, it's very much intrinsically related to Romanian mythology. Like, without Romanian mythology, this would not have happened, but it is something that happened in real life. But anyway, what you got, Billy? What else you got? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with this one. I'm going to, I'm probably going to completely butcher this. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry. I will try my best. This this is sort of a, a double tale. Interesting. Carry on. So we have the tale of the devious Balur dragon. They are they're very much like the the hydras in the sense okay. of they have multiple heads and fly. All right. I think I think the Greek the the traditional Greek hydra wasn't a was a flightless creature, but dragons friend of ours brought up a good point and asked when the episode on dragons was going to be and then i realized that i had not included dragons on our list of episode titles we're gonna have a talk about dragons one day i've uh, i've added that already to the list the way that a balur dragon comes into being is snakes that have been transformed from long periods of isolation under the ground growing a brand new head after every year that passes so if you plant snakes you get you get a balur dragon I didn't, hmm, you know, I've heard a lot of myths about creatures becoming dragons. One notable one is uh, a koi fish managing to, managing to jump up to the top of a waterfall. That's from Japanese mythology. I have yet to hear a, play, a, a method of potentially agriculturally growing dragons. I like this plan. It's probably not good. I'm, I'm guessing uh, Balaur are, one more time for me, what was the name? Balour, 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 B A L A O U, or A A O U, B A L A U R. I can't I'm speak today. I'm gonna say Balour, but we're Belauer. not. Balour Rom- Romanian. More right. It's Romanian, so who knows? Well, people from Romania would know, and people better educated than us. I'm I'm sure Balour are not like benevolent creatures. Yeah, they. Mimic people to uh, consume them. He's mm. a man eater. Funny you mentioned Japanese mythology, mm-hmm. because I found a story that is eer- eerily similar to one Urashima the fisherman, or, or uh, sorry, Arashima, Arashima the fisherman. Okay. There is a tale in Romanian folklore. About fat frumos? Ooh, yes. I I I think I think the little little symbol over the A is is making it a a, a long A, so a fat frumos. Fat frumos. But that is that is a total guess at at it. Give us that English translation of that name, though. It's a good <sighs> one. The English translation, when you directly translate it, translates some to something along the lines of what is it? Handsome infant or something like that. Handsome lad. Handsome lad, the hero. 
I another another translation or or more of a more of an or an Americanization I've seen of Fatfrumos is Prince Charming. Yes. Prince Charming is kind of the the analogous form of this character. I just like handsome lad. Handsome lad. We're going to come back to the dragon, but let's mm-hmm. first talk about Mr. Handsome Lad here. <laughs> so, our story begins with the pregnant queen whose child just before birth begins weeping uncontrollably. In order to stop the baby from crying, the king offers him kingdoms, princesses, and all the good things in the world. But nothing quite gets the baby to stop crying. Finally, the king promises, Be quiet, my son, and I'll give you youth without age and life without death. And that finally quieted the child down. Not even, not even born yet, and this kid already has to be bribed out of the womb. With that, the child grew up, became quick-witted. I can see why we root for this guy wise and daring but on his 15th birthday finally asks his father where's where's the gift of immortality to which his father said i ain't got it mm-hmm. so because of course because what are you doing so handsome man here ran off left his parents handsome lad no more he is now handsome man at he is 15. now handsome mad <laughs> he left his mother and father to go find the cure to death the immortality. On his adventures, he acquires a talking flying horse. Ooh. I knew he had a flying horse, but I did not know it talked. Did it have a name, did you find? I did not find a name. Okay. He fought a bunch of horrible monsters, including a giant woodpecker. Wait. I missed that one, too. Giant wood... Wait, how... I don't know why a giant woodpecker needs to be fought, but... That reminds me of this... The Longest John's song... Uh, Moby Duck. The Longest Johns is a is a band that primarily uh, sings sea shanties or sea shanty likes makes sea she sea there makes sea shanty like songs, and one that they have is the mighty Moby Duck, who is a duck that is apparently the size of a boat. Oh man, <laughs> which is a big duck. That's a big duck. Big woodpecker though. Yeah. Did you happen to find... I'm sorry I'm settling on this so hard, but did you happen to find any other details about the big woodpecker, or is it just that was just kind of mentioned as as it was going through the legend? It was just kind of mentioned. I kind of want to find more about this woodpecker, though. I know. this. So this, this topic has been interestingly difficult to research because there's a ton of good stuff here. Good, good, deplorable stuff. But... Google Scholar is a wonderful resource to find journals and historical documents and stuff. However, one thing that I've found is that more often than not, when you try to visit something on Google Scholar, it wants you to pay for the article or to pay to visit whatever site is linked to it. And again, we're not making money off this podcast. Not yet, anyway. Maybe once we start... Maybe if we start getting some kind of generating some kind of income, we will be able to do more stuff like that. But there are a lot of legends that I would have loved to look into or get more information on. One of them was like the 12 dancing princesses and the deadly bride, which sounds really interesting. I want to yeah. know, but I couldn't like I could not find a source which would allow me to actually read or research the, the story itself or the nature of the story. So I'm I'm disappointed that we could not get more information other than giant woodpecker. I'm going to choose. 
I'm going to kind of make up a story of my own and choose to believe that it was some kind of world tree like situation. And the Ooh. woodpecker was getting at the world tree. That's my hypothesis. He swung over to Norse mythology to stop the woodpecker from destroying the well, life so, tree. In- interestingly, and and it's I don't want to derail too hard from what you were saying, but interestingly, I did actually find some creation mythology for Romanian in like Romanian culture that did speak of a sort of world tree situation. It was it basically the story kind of went there where there was like this primordial ocean, right? And it was completely still, and then there was a disturbance in it. And from this disturbance sprung out two, sprung out a, a tree, a big tree, big tree. And this tree uh, had on it a butterfly and cat, a cocoon or a caterpillar, one of the two. And the butterfly shed its wings and turned into a glowing person. And the cocoon was like, hey, I want to do that too. And it so it, it tried to shed itself and became like a shadowy wreathed person. Ooh. The, the story goes that these two are, are brothers, except when the shadowy being tried to talk to the glowing one and, and refer to the glowing one as his brother, the glowing one's like, you're no brother of mine. You're, you're, you're not brother. And oh. literally their names in Romanian, in Romanian is the words for brother and not brother, but that's kind of their, that's, it goes on after that where they create, you know, the land and stuff, but yeah, it it all starts from this big world tree, which, which is why I, I, this invented story of my own. I'm like, "Eh, maybe there's a world tree problem, or maybe there's just a giant woodpecker because there's also just giants. While he was off fighting, I don't know if this was before or after the giant woodpecker, he did come across the Balur, Balaur dragon, and fought mm-hmm. him, and shielded some people from him, supposedly killed him. Supposedly. He then eventually finds the paradise, the fairy kingdom, and give, they give him immortality, but they ask that he stays with them forever, mm-hmm. which he immediately agrees, because mm-hmm. nobody wants to die. Eventually he gets kind of homesick, wants to go back, and much like the tale of... The fisherman, as he's venturing back, he starts aging more and more. He gets back to his kingdom, finds everyone is gone. The kingdom is in Mm -hmm. shambles. Moss everywhere. It's almost like he was, you know, gone for millennia. He he's making his way through the castle and a thin crackling voice greeted him. You are most welcome. Had you been much later, I would have perished myself. With that, death walked over, slapped him once, and he turned instantly to ash. (sighs) Oh, To end, cap, to end cap the story, though, recently, scientists uncovered the remains of a new dinosaur in Romania, which has a very similar kind of build to the bel- the Belower Dragons. <laughs> this took such a hard, like, left turn from what I... I thought the pun... Uh, the punchline. I thought the, the, like, the most interesting part... Yeah, the punchline, I guess, of this story was the part where death just slaps a boy to death, <laughs> which is hilarious, and I love it, and I am here for it. And then you come at me with, we found fossils of what now? So they found the remains of a new dinosaur in Romania, gave, gave it the name Belur Bondok, or Saki Dragon, oh. after, the mythical, after the elder mythical creatures. This, the, so the skeleton they found is smaller, mm-hmm. but still kind of has that same build. Like, it's very big and bulky. Mm-hmm. 
that kind that has led some people to believe that it is an actual Balur dragon and they did exist at some point. Oh gosh. Like that's not impossible. Improbable. Highly improbable, but not impossible. But yeah, I when I was reading that, that that ending just it hit me like <laughs> death. It hit me like death. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. He like we're we're so used to and I think it I think it's cultural, but we're so used to stories like that end peacefully. Yeah. That kind of story is the one where if it were told in the United States, the ending would have been Prince Charming walked like death led Prince Charming away. Yeah, it right? would have been like it it would have been a everything is gone. Death, can you please lead, lead me to the afterlife? Not right. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> but no, death comes in here and is just like, boy. The the part that I did leave out, which kind of adds a little bit more context, is he found death in the place where he was born. So, like, he found him in his room, mm-hmm. which I can kind of believe death just kind of standing there waiting. Yeah. Maybe sitting in a rocking chair, just hanging out, and then he hears someone coming. He's like, oh, someone's coming. Okay. Time to stand up. There, there's a, I don't know, there's a, there's a, an interesting sort of philosophical draw to that ending where it all began. I think a lot of the most poignant endings to stories end with the hero or the protagonist able to look back on where they came from and yeah. like actually see it. Maybe that's, maybe that's why the story goes, death slaps him and he turns into dust because it was a little too heavy with it just being... His home is destroyed, and he dies in his birth room, his bedroom. What more do you have, Billy? What do you have other stuff? Or I have one more story. All right, and this one is a little bit more lighthearted. Okay, then here we'll we'll I'll I'll go with my last thing first, um, and then we'll see. All right, we'll see where it goes from there. So, uh, in my research, I found. I found some talk about the the strigoi, or the strigoi, which it may be the striga, but I think that's a different creature. But what the reason it caught my attention is that Romania actually does have a lot of vampire lore, werewolf lore, shapeshifter lore, and the strigoi is supposedly an undead creature that kind of I, I think it's mythologically speaking. But the Strigoi is supposed to kind of be, in Romanian mythology, what eventually became werewolves and vampires. It's a shapeshifter that also feeds on on people. The reason I bring this up, though, and I was not able to find the documentation because it has since been stricken from the internet, it seems. So it's largely rumor. But in 2004... In Romania, there was a news story about a girl who thought she had been visited by her dead uncle. Oh. And it, it was thought that this was uh, one of the Strigoi. And so, as per the custom to dealing with these creatures, the family dug up the body, cut out its heart, burned the remains, and oh, then drank the yeah. ashes mixed with water. That was... Yeah... Which went from zero to a hundred real quick. That I I came across that method of mm-hmm. killing vampires during the vampire episode. <laughs> Out of all the ways to kill a vampire, that's not the one that I would think of. Dumb ways to die. 
the the process though just like your yeah your your daughter comes to you and she says i think i've seen my dead uncle and again respect for the culture respect for the people i i i don't know i don't mean to especially in a, in a in an area that is so saturated by superstition or maybe not necessarily superstition but so saturated by myth and legend and folklore that this would be a florida man headline if it happened in the united states yeah and I, I, so I don't, I don't want to cast any kind of aspersions upon these people because it is a different culture, and you know maybe that's a that that's just their thing. But if someone in America were in the United States were to do this or were to consider doing this, it would definitely be a pretty considered to be a pretty wild uh, series of steps to take. All right, Billy. Yeah. Bring us back around to something a little light, more lighthearted. All right. So we've got the tale of a of a witch, and I don't recall where this was from. Hmm. But there is a tale that a witch kept stealing the milk from a peasant's cows. That seems like a a particular theft. Upset, the man decided to catch the witch, so he hid himself in the paddock and waited. At midnight, the witch came and began to drain the milk of the cows in a bag made of hair. Gross. Carry which on. Which was kind of terrifying the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. The man could see everything, but he could not react in any way, being almost petrified. Once the witch finished taking the milk from all the cows, she went to the man and asked him, Are you sitting, Ivan? The man replied mechanically, as though he was talking in his sleep, I am sitting. The witch then put something in his hand and told him before leaving, Here, hold this and keep sitting. The wife who waited for her husband until dawn went the next morning to look for him. Guess what she found in his hand? I am terrified to think. She found him sitting in the corner of the stable, firmly grasping in his hands a big pile of dung. Oh. (laughs) That's... I can see why that's more lighthearted. (laughs) I was expecting, you know, with the stock of witch, I was expecting something terrible, something cursed. I guess it was cursed, but not in... It's far cursed in the mundane way. I read that, and it was... As I was reading it, I'm just sitting there like, where is this going? Uh-huh. This, where is this going? Is this cursed, or is this... And then got to the end, and I'm like, ah. I... <laughs> walks up and goes, here, hold this. <laughs> so many terrible things. So many terrible things it could have been. And <laughs> it was just... <laughs> I don't know how to handle that. Oh, I'm so used to, like, the Baba Yaga and, you know, Hansel and Gretel, the witch from Hansel and Gretel and, you know, thing, you know things that, things that give... Because, like, which is, I don't know if it's classified as as a as a religion or a belief system or or, or how exactly to classify it. But people who p- practice witchcraft in modern times, from what I understand, by and large, are, are are nothing like the the witches depicted in in media and folk tales. Like they are not, you know, cackling, curse dealing, potion slinging, like terrible yeah. people. They are they're. From what I understand, there's also like a very heavy stigma even in within the community of witchcraft that it, against you know doing curses and stuff. According to their their belief system, like 
not only is it not cool to curse people, but it's also a very, very bad idea because it will, you know, bring upon all of all of the negative energy you put out there is coming back for you. Yeah, eventually. But like, that's the kind of that is the kind of witchcraft that I'm used to is the the stuff that gives witches like a, a bad stigma in, in modern culture. This one's just kind of a prankster. Yeah. Like she's definitely stealing milk, which is not great. I don't, I, I don't know the full circumstances, but maybe don't steal, or at least if you have to steal, take what you need, not everything. <laughs> All the terrible things it could have been. Yeah, just the ending is what got me the most. Deepest lore. Um, definitely the most hilarious we found today. I don't know. I don't know about deepest. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the, the witch is the deepest. Because there, there's there's an extent to which you've got to consider the it's a it's a hilarious story, but I don't know how how much we would call it lore. Usually with lore, we're looking for named creatures or named people. What are I don't know what what do you think, Billy? What uh? I think this giant woodpecker is the deepest lore. <laughs> I still can't get over it. Handsome lad fought and killed a giant woodpecker at one point, and I need to know this story. That's the only thing that's hesitating, that's making me hesitate from like actually insisting and saying I definitely think this this should be the deepest lore, is the fact that we couldn't find the rest of the story. I I do think that the the giant woodpecker is definitely a candidate for deepest lore. There is in Romanian mythology a giant woodpecker. It's a solid candidate. I do like the clock tower, man. All of this stuff was really good. Heh, <laughs> stocky dragon. Yeah, the stocky dragon. Oh my goodness, the... <laughs> Wait, they weren't kidding. This thing tiny. It's like half the height of a person. Yeah. <laughs> Super small. I do love I do love this new, like, the not new, but relatively new in the sense that it happened during the time I was alive. The understanding that dinosaurs were probably not, like, scaly or and nearly as thin as they appeared. Yeah. They probably were a lot more poofy. And feathery. There is, we have in my other group, a resident dino expert who his dream is to become an archaeologist. Hmm. And he keeps updating us on the new finds for dinosaurs. Um, good for, good for him. I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's got a, archaeology seems to always, always struck me as one of those, you have to be the right person for the job. You can't, like, you have to really yeah. like archaeology to actually become an archaeologist. You can't just be a, you know dinosaur enthusiast but it also seems like a job that not a lot of people choose to pick up so you know follow your dreams are we really gonna settle on on giant woodpecker i i think giant woodpecker is gonna be the deepest lore you know you know what the what the fun part is billy what we have listeners we do we don't have to settle on the deepest lore every time we could leave this one up to the viewers yeah i think i think that might I think that might also be something we should we should start considering as the nature of this podcast. Like it is the search for the deepest lore. There's not always going to be deepest lore and sometimes you know, we might think that one thing is the deepest lore and other people might find that something entirely different is what struck them as like the most obscure and hilarious piece of information. Yeah. All right. I think that's it though. Uh thank you all for listening. As always, our email is deplorablecontact at gmail.com. Go ahead and shoot us an email with a topic suggestion in the headline, in the subject line. 
or something similar and uh, with with your topic suggestions. And uh, if we find something we'll like, we'll put it in the hat. We're, we're currently doing a bit of a, we're looking to do, try and focus in on topics for this show. We've had a couple episodes now where the research has been very difficult and it's been a challenge finding something that we consider, like, it's been a challenge finding things that are qualifiers for the deepest lore. So having having some topic suggestions may help us help us out. Not that we're running, not that we're even kind of running close to the bottom of the barrel. We've only just gotten started. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And we'll see you next time. Bye.